This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. It is the Mark Madden Podcast. Tim Benz and Tom Offerman today as Mark is in Vegas. Bet now from anywhere. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers. We will not be at the Rivers Sportsbook on Friday as a heads up just to let everybody know because Taylor Swift will be. And when Taylor Swift is there, that means nobody else can get into the building, apparently. Wow, you got bumped from Bet Rivers, uh, from Rivers Casino. If I'm going to get bumped, I better get bumped for Taylor friggin' Swift. Wow, yeah, that's true. That honestly saves you. I know you're like, what, right down the street from the casino? You were probably, what? minutes from the casino. Were you planning on walking if you had to do the show there? If I needed to do the show there, I would have been, I would have rather walked (laughs) to and from the show then have to drive back from here in Bridgeville to go back through the tunnel or over the West End Bridge while the show is going on. So I know a lot of people when they were trying to get out to Star Lake for when Grateful Dead was here had a lot of trouble and couldn't get in for the show. Is that going to happen again with Taylor Swift? There's at least more ways out. Right. Like you can go one direction to get another direction. Like for instance, you don't have to get bottlenecked there. I can go all the way up to Wexford and come down on 79 if I need to. So like you can get around one traffic issue as opposed to Starlake where everything is a traffic issue and there's just one road in and out. That's the problem there. Well, the glorious thing for you now is that as you have to drive to our station in Bridgeville is you might just be flying past people waiting in traffic to get into the city for Taylor Swift. At like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, no doubt just about it. laugh at them. Just, well, see you later. I will laugh at them, but then I will pity myself <laughs> on the way back. That's exactly how it's going to work. I just, I don't know why there is so much concern on the part of Rivers, and no offense to the folks who bet Rivers right now who have booted us, booted <laughs> us out for the Swifties. Like, is there going to be that much of a bleed over between Swifty fans and gamblers? Especially in the sports book? Do they want the DJ space just to get some Taylor Swift tunes pumping in there? Maybe. Is that it? Are they, is, is the DJ room where we do our stuff, is that going to be occupied? I believe occupied? that's the case, yes. I believe is that that's Kiss also going? Are we getting booted out. for Kiss? I'm not sure about that, no. That would make sense, though. We should at least you know, have a seat at the table here. I would understand that. If we were actually getting kicked <laughs> out for another entity under the iHeartRadio umbrella for the that's Swifties... Right. If you just swap out a, another chair on a Friday, that's fine. That would be fine. Right. But... Still, the act of coming down here and turning around and going back up there uh, is going to be a big problem. So that has enraged me, but I will get over it. And we will do the show on Thursday and Friday for Mark as well. Tom is in on Wednesday, and uh, we're coming to you today. We're taping up right now just in advance of the show uh, for Mark on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Mark is going to check in from Vegas and we're doing so with a heavy heart, no doubt, uh, because we got word yesterday in the evening that our longtime colleague here at iHeartRadio, Stan Savern, passed away at the age of 76. Uh, I've worked with Stan in one capacity or another for the better part of the last uh, 
12 to 15 years. When I first moved to Pittsburgh in 2001, uh, Stan and I were constantly on opposite stations from each other. So I, I really <laughs> didn't get to know Stan all that much until I got here. Um, you know, when I got to 1250, I got to 1250 ESPN radio there then in Wilkinsburg. I got there because Stan left to come here to iHeart to be on 970 when it was Fox Sports. And I took over the two hours, I guess at the time it was still only one hour after Madden when Mark was done um, at seven o'clock every night. And then Stan came here. And then when I went to Clear Channel, Stan went over to ESPN radio. So for as much as I had interacted with Stan here and there throughout just crossing paths in the Pittsburgh media I never got to work with him as a full-time colleague until, gosh, roughly 2010 or 11, something like that. Um, so, you know, it's it's been, like I said, about 12 years that we've worked together. Uh, we hosted a show for a short time when I got the sports director's role here. And part of the carve-out for that deal after I was doing the morning show on the X was I was going to do a show with Stan Monday through Friday. It was like a three-hour block. And uh, I was going to overlap with Stan for one hour, and we'd each do another hour on opposite ends. Like, Stan would do the first hour, we'd work together, then I'd do the last hour. That was kind of the game plan, and eventually it was going to work into a three-hour show together. And uh, a couple months after that formulated is when I went to Boston. And I still remember the show where I knew it was going to be our last show together, uh, Stan opened up and said, was it something I said? <laughs> you know, and that's just kind of typical humor. We were really just kind of getting in a roll and getting in a groove. And of course I left and I felt bad about that. But, you know, the times that we did have uh, as colleagues here at iHeart, um, I was always happier working in the Pittsburgh media when Stan was on my team is probably the best way to say it. When we were teammates working for the same company, um, I enjoyed those times a lot. And uh, I know Guy Junker feels the same way. Guy uh, is going to join us later. I mean, he's on the DVE morning show today. He deserves a ton of credit for everything he's done over the past couple months, especially the past couple weeks. His Stan's health has been failing. He's ostensibly run point for everybody in the Pittsburgh media, uh, facilitating visitation hours with his family in Upper St. Clair. Uh, Guy did all that, all that heavy lifting for all of us. And uh, he did it while I think Honestly, Tom, he's probably hurting more than anybody because he knew him the best. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's the thing. I was on with Wolf earlier today, and we were talking about, you know, the Stan and Guy relationship because we played back the interview that he had on the DV Morning Show. And, you know, I was like, you know, the reason why that chemistry worked so well on air and why they were just such, you know, a dynamic duo that probably won't be repeated again in Pittsburgh sports is because they genuinely were best friends off the air. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't just a turn-off-the-mic and, you know, you become Mike and Mike, like that scenario where those guys were just cold to each other and it was all just an act. Like, no, it was genuine, and that's pretty much how Stan was too, just a genuine person. I mean, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I didn't start working here until about like 2016, 2017. So, you know, I got to work with Stan for a decent amount of time when, you know, you start to cut your teeth at iHeart. Well, at the point where Stan was on his timeline, that's what you did. You produced his show. Like, he just had kind of a lot of producers moving in the door. And so that's what I did for like the first year or two is produce his show. And it's just amazing how he treated everybody, you know, was great to producers, was great to everybody in the building. And it's so funny how you said 
that line wasn't something I said because you know when you sit there you can and hear you, him say it right? when you sit there and you listen to the show like he he really is genuinely funny and that's what really drives a personality like that to get to a level like that is you have that charisma and you have that humor like we can all talk about sports like it's not that hard but you have to be able to you know dress it up a little bit and Stan was just incredible at that and a great interviewer too like he he was a five tool player when it comes to being a, a broadcaster and. It's amazing to see the outpour of love going around Pittsburgh right now and beyond Pittsburgh, too. It just shows you what his status was. You mentioned his sense of humor, and I I keep seizing on his first appearance on the DVE morning show after he had his foot amputated, <laughs> where he, just off the cuff, said, you should start referring to me now as Lieutenant Stan, as in Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump, the... Vietnam War veteran buddy of Forrest who didn't have any legs. You know, it's like and it was so Stan, dark and sarcastic and sardonic. I mean, you know, like, he was cooking that up. Though, uh, of right? course he like, was. Yeah, of course he, he was. Too, like he was just like, okay, how can I spin this? Like, but oh, I mean, like I've been listening to him for 25 years, and that that was probably the loudest I've ever laughed at something he said, and it was in his theoretically his weakest moment and I think he deserves a lot of credit for being able to shine the light on himself and come up with a line like that and uh, just cut the tension of having him on the air with those guys and uh, I, I could hear it in Randy's voice I could hear it in Bill and Val's voice like they, they were nervous about if Stan was going to be able to make it through the interview how it was going to sound is yeah. he really up for it uh, is he forcing himself back on the air too fast and he just cut that tension immediately within the first six seconds, and that was on-air savvy that he had, that he, he knew the cards that were out there and how he was going to have to manipulate the deck in the audience's favor, and, and he did it. And, you know, just to further illustrate how much he loved the job, you know, what you referenced there happened like four weeks ago. Like, mm -hmm. he just did the yeah. TV morning show like a week and a half ago. Like. Right up to the very end, he was doing hits. He did hits with Mark. You filled in for Mark recently. And did got he do, do one after that? Stan. After what? The well, after after I was on last week? Not with Mark. I don't think so. Um, I don't know if he got another DVE morning show hit in before that either. But, you know, the point remains, like, right up until the very end, he was doing his hits. He, he, he lived for this, you know, and you've heard so many people who have spoken about it, talk about how the love of his life really was the job. Like Phil Bork on the morning show was saying, you know, his mistress, his baby, like everything was the job. And, you know, you knew he was never going to retire. And I'd like to think that he likes the fact that he didn't retire, that he went out still in the game. You know, that I remember that last hit that we did with him. And I was thinking before he came on, because I heard him and, know people that had talked to him and he, it was getting hard for him to maintain breath yeah. you know battling the lung cancer and just the general lack of strength following the battle with the diabetes too um it was hard for him to get through certain thoughts and his lungs would catch and his air would catch and you know Stan's favorite sport was tennis Stan yes. loved tennis and it was in those moments where you got to be a good tennis partner for the person that you're on air with. And to go back with what Stan and Guy did for so many years, um, they were good tennis partners. Like, you know, if you're just going out and hitting the ball around and it's not like Wimbledon, you're trying to dust the court with the other guy and win six love, six love if you can. If you're going out there to try to have a good, uh, you know, 
hour, hour and a half of going back and forth. Make the a ball. workout of it. Yeah, yeah, make a workout of it. You know, the other the partner's got to be good, and the partner's got to put you in a position to at least make the next shot so you can swing one more. And Stan and Guy were so good at that with each other. You know, going on air with him, I wondered at the time if it was going to be my last time. As it turned out to be, it was my last time with him. That 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 went through my head. You know, it was like you have to do that when you're on air and you know that your partner isn't in the best shape that day. And, you know, Stan always had guys back and Guy always had Stan's. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, I'd like to think that the French Open was on in the background at Stan's house this past weekend, right? You know he'd want it that way, and I'm I'm not sure how. Well, he... I can tell you one funny story from when I was down there on Sunday. Yeah? Oh, yeah? Um, I went down with my girlfriend, Jamie. Uh, Stan was really supportive of Jamie's right. career as a young female in sports journalism, especially, you know, about five, maybe ten years before everybody was doing it. Um, you know, I was getting more and more popular as Jamie was in her 20s, but especially in a market like Pittsburgh or where she was in Altoona, Johnstown, um, you know, you're still looked at a little bit cross-eyed by some of the older folks in the business and even some of the viewers, but... He was always a real big supporter of, of hers, and she's taken his loss very, very hard. So we went down together, and he was uh, basically in home hospice for what, like the, the last week of his yeah, life, right. right? So he was in a bed in uh, the living room, and Jamie and I walked in, and he perked up right away when he heard our voices, and, and he opened his eyes and saw our faces, and he tried to smile. I could tell he was trying to smile and let us know that... He was happy that we were there. And uh, he said something, and I couldn't hear what he was saying. I couldn't make out what he was saying. And Jamie started to put her hand on my chest and push me back. I said, what did he say? And she said, you're blocking the sun. Because <laughs> he was, you know, kind of propped out looking out towards the, you know, the, the garden or whatever where he was in Upper St. Clair. She goes, he said, you're blocking the sun. And I said, Stan... That's the first time in my life I've ever been accused of blocking the sun. <laughs> and I so stand that right to cut right to the chase. Like Tim, so happy that you're here. But move three inches to the yeah, left. Yeah, exactly. Bound. Be here three inches that way. Exactly. I still want to see the sun. So uh, at five foot six, it was the first time in my life I ever blocked. You the felt sun. big. Yeah, yeah nice. Just, yeah, that was standing. Gassing made you up right there. Always made you feel big. So <laughs> yeah, that was that was my last interaction with Stan, and I could tell that. Jamie being there meant something to him. Um, you know, he he tried to grab her hand and uh, just didn't have it in him. But, uh, you know, it was... It wasn't the guy I wanted to see on the way out, but it made me think of who he was and who was my teammate for the last decade plus around here. Yeah, no, and that's exactly what he needed to see is that outpouring of people that have been there. And it sounds like it was just a... And it's been a lot. Yeah, like you said, guy... Potash was there when I was there. He does, had his two it, sisters and... Two of his sisters and um, I believe his ex-wife was there and a neighbor was there. A couple neighbors were there. Nieces, I mean, like... Uh, yeah. He was not alone going out. And that's the most important thing to me. I mean, it might be to different people, but being alone would just be... Ugh, I don't know how I could handle that. So I'm glad that he didn't have to do it that way. Yeah, and uh, most importantly, as I wrote about in the Trib, he also knew that he had all of you, and I think all of you felt like, no you question. being the listeners, uh, you knew who Stan was. It wasn't 
um, oh, Tim, a I misrepresentation. Get... Like if you met Stan in person, you got who you thought you were going to meet 101 times out of 100. I got calls all the time working Mark this past couple of months. You know, where's Stan? Like, what's you know? Just there were so many people concerned. Just of the listening audience. Just I don't want to go on the air. I just wanted to know if you could fill me in on anything that you know. I mean, he was beloved, and everybody was you know interested and curious as to what was happening. So if you are uh, catching this podcast right now and you want to hear more uh, about Stan and his career here in Pittsburgh and uh, the memories that a lot of people have shared and are going to share, you can go to uh, Mark's podcast page at WXDX.com. You can go to the DVE podcast page. There's a lot up there from the likes of Sally Wiggin and uh, Bob Pompiani and Phil Bork and uh, certainly the DVE morning show crew uh, and Guy, who was on with both of us, um, you can hear those clips with Guy, too, uh, as well as a montage that was put together, a lot of great clips from Stan and his career. Uh, that's all up there, and uh, I'm sure the guys in the morning show will be talking about it extensively as well, and I, I know we'll have guests here and there throughout the course of the next few days that will also share some of Stan's memories. But, um, you know, I don't think Stan would want any of this to be a full-time, 100% eulogy of him. Uh, that's the task we're going to take when we go on the air and the X in a little bit and uh, I don't think Stan will want a three hour eulogy here doesn't want the whole podcast anything to be just about him uh, especially since we opened up talking about Taylor Swift and he wasn't able to go I think if Stan went out with one regret it was one more Taylor Swift concert know, he right? couldn't go to oh my god you know when you produce the show at the very end <laughs> The last thing that he asks you to get as a producer is a song to start his show. Yeah. And it's always Carrie Underwood, Taylor Swift, Kelly Clarkson. Like he, Those had... dots never connected for me. I don't know why, but uh, those I, I never pictured him. I knew he was a um, show tunes guy. I mean, the man likes his popular music. I yes. mean, that is certainly the mainstream right there. I always figured he'd be the kind of guy that would listen to 3WS or... DVE, but he not was uh, not was much more of a kiss guy, I guess. <laughs> 96 so. one, I guess, was number one. That was the... some that was some good that uh Mikey and Big Bob shared. It was that photo of him and Mac Miller. Oh, right. Did you see that? That and, story and, they told? And just that he really did have no idea who Mac Miller was. That's oh, he they, didn't know? They, they basically framed I thought that's how Mikey framed oh, okay. it that way. <laughs> Mac like, knew he, who fr who Stan was. He probably knew who he was or of Mac Miller, but not the magnitude of the person that he was meeting right now. Yes. How great it was that he wanted to meet Stan. <laughs> But uh, a lot going on today, including the Pirates, who will take the field at um, Wrigley Field at 8.05. Right? All, all three of those games are night games, right? So I think, I think so. they're all 8.05 starts. And get a win in game one against Jamison Tyon. I mean, we all love Jamison Tyon while he was here, oh, but my he gosh, has he yeah. been bad so far. Yeah, he really stinks. I mean, they got to get off to... I think a good start on this road trip and get two out of three against the Cubs at Wrigley. Well, this is one of these classic, and I know that every time we talk about the Pirates... And you get to the game where the team's in last place and you need to, you know, take care of business, it usually goes the other way. Well, like is that the, where you were going That's there? not where I was going with necessarily. I was going to get there. I was going to get on that road, but <laughs> um, I feel like anytime you start talking about the Pirates, you have to do the opening parenthetical of... If you had told me in advance of the season that dot, 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 the Pirates would be in first place on June the 13th, of course you'd take it. If you had told me they'd be 34 and 30 and in a wild card or pennant chase, of course you would take it. But with rising expectations also comes a need to raise your sight line as to what you're supposed to do. So if you played yourself into a position like they did coming off that sweep of the Cardinals, and then you've got the A's and the Mets 
who had lost six in a row, six in a row, and, and the A's, who had only had what five victories on the road all season. I, I don't now care what you hot, would have anticipated in April and what their record is now. You can't be happy with three and no. three against those teams, and not only three and three against those teams. They didn't play very good baseball in those two series. Like they managed to win against the Mets because finally they got a Keller start out of Keller again. That's the only reason why. But they were something. Like, if you took the football score out from the equation, that fourteen to seven game. If you looked at the other five games, no, I'm sorry. If you looked at the other eight games in that homestand, there were something like 153 with runners in scoring position. Oh yeah, they're walking a tightrope right now, which is why you still can't trust them as you get deeper and deeper into the season and you're kind of running out of time to be like, oh, well, you can't trust them. They're going to fall off. No, they're still in first place. You kind of have to buy in now that they're in this race. Uh, But their saving grace, Tim, has been that the division is just such dog crap, too, because the A's sweep the Brewers right after they take care of business against the Pirates. And now, as we're recording this podcast, you go to Wrigley, a game up on the Brewers, despite, you know, yeah, record-wise, you've kind of shaken off that stink from May. But have you really, as far as the form on the team and as far as the lineup is concerned? That stat you just threw at me doesn't suggest that you really have moved on or that you really have shaken that off and have all of a sudden turned back into April Pirates when the calendar turned to June. Exactly. Um, They just didn't play crisp baseball, either at the plate, uh, largely pitching. And they were playing bad teams. Or in the field. Like, look at the Mets. They were booting the ball all over the field. Like, the Mets kind of out-pirated the Pirates throughout that series. Like, there's no reason why a team that has as much talent as they do should be booting the ball like they are. They should be the team that, you know— can grind out games against teams like the Pirates, not the other way around. Yeah, they were given gifts and they couldn't take advantage of them in the loss. And uh, that's part of the reason why I just don't see this team staying at the level where they are a playoff contender. If they're a contender, they're a contender because the seventh seed is floating at or near 500. Like, yeah. Or or the division is floating at or near 500. You have to assume, though, that there are going to be reinforcements inevitably because you're out of the player service time excuse now. Like, now is the time where you start to make a spot start with a couple of these pitchers, and you're seeing that in this series with Beto. They're calling him up. I guess Quinn Priester's not ready yet, but whatever. As long as they're calling someone up to make a spot start. So, and ever since... I think they might have been splitting time behind the dish, but since Henry Davis has come up to AAA, I've noticed Endy playing a little bit more first base. So that might be a little bit writing on the wall. They might move him up and put him at first base because Carlos Santana is a plus defender, but they're getting nothing from him as far as the bat's concerned. It, if you're weak in third base and then you're also weak at first base, I know. Well, he's he's hitting more often, Hayes. You're just not getting a lot of power. No power, but that's what I mean. Yeah. Like if you're sacrificing the power from one corner infield spot, you can't really afford to do it from first base especially if you don't have any power at all throughout the lineup except for maybe Jack Sawinski. Vegas close it out tonight? I think they do. And Do you think Mark's going to go to the parade? I don't think he's going to be able to avoid the parade. <laughs> I think it's especially if it goes them, or comes from the arena, right? I asked him about that, and he was like, you ever been to Vegas? And I was like, no, I, I haven't. And he was like, it's going to be pretty much like a normal day in Vegas, is what he assumed, like as far as the craziness is concerned. I think it's going to be a little bit more than that. I don't know if he's going to bother to try to get the ticket. I know he was flirting with the idea. I imagine it's going to be expensive. That's a pricey ticket tonight. Yeah, expensive is all get out. Um, it would be nice for him, though, to see a cup awarded in a home venue. <laughs> Never happened before. I, I sat next to Mark and walked down to the ice with Mark 
in Detroit in 09. I remember that very, very clearly. Um, so we've seen the cup awarded, the both of us, but we've never seen it in Pittsburgh. No one has. I mean, you know? uh, it would be a cool experience to see it there. And I mean, what a rocket ship of a start for a franchise, too. Just, you know, two cup appearances. And what is this their sixth year now that they've been in the league? Yeah. So I guess Seattle's going to get there eventually themselves. Yeah, I guess and the next so. day is full season. Toronto just continues to just sit up there in the Great White North and toil away. By the way, what's the uh, greater hopscotch game? Peter Laviolette through the <laughs> Metropolitan Division or Larry Ogunjobi through the AFC North? Well, what's Laviolette? Who, who, gets, who gets the Baltimore Ravens first, Ogunjobi or Laviolette? Because <laughs> now he's at the Islanders, the what Flyers. Would, what would Laviolette do? Would he be like a trainer? You know those like ice skating training things that they do, where you like slide back and forth. <laughs> Maybe Laviolette would coach that for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Canes, and now he's going to coach the Rangers. It looks like so. I mean. At some point, I mean, do you he, just he stop gets, recycling a guy. Like, I know, just but he's, to he's, he's obviously now. What does that say? Does it say less about Laviolette, or does it say the less uh, less about how the NHL views coaches? Because he's gotten three teams to the Cup final, he's won a cup, and he's obviously still being deemed good enough to get another job. So why doesn't he maintain a job? And why is the only coach that seems that he can't get fired is Mike Sullivan? Well, that's what I was just going to say. What it tells me is you shouldn't. You know, look at that contract that Mike Sullivan's under as some boogeyman to not move on from him if you think it's best for the team because he's going to get snatched up pretty much immediately. He could be pretty petty, or maybe it's not a petty thing. Maybe he genuinely just would like to collect a paycheck and, you know, F off somewhere for a couple of years and enjoy himself and then maybe get back into the game. He certainly could do that. I have a feeling he would rather, you know, jump on with a team. And Tim, you don't think a team loaded with talent wouldn't look at like maybe an Edmonton? And be like, oh, you know what? Maybe we bring in Mike Sullivan. He's got a lot of experience with superstars and, you know, filling out that roster and playing that speed game. Yeah, you know, and at he, least he, he was, can be hard on the superstars exactly. when he first gets there. And then when he's he builds got the a relationship to do with it. McDavID like he did with Sid, and now he can't. He's one of the few people that could do that, that could be able to walk through the door, door and do that. So, you know, to be like, oh, you can't move on from Sullivan because he's under contract. First of all, who cares? It's not your money. And second of all, He'll get snatched up, I'm pretty sure, within a year. Last thing, Alex Highsmith. Projections are that he's going to make roughly $16 million. Mm. I bet you he wants 18 to 20. I wonder if he'll settle for 13 to 14. If it's 13 to 14, is it worth it? Do you know what the franchise tag is for what is his it position? Now? I don't, I'm not sure. Off the top of my head, I don't know, but that's not that's not till next year. Right, exactly. So... I don't know. Sixteen million dollars seems pretty steep. Do you just kind of wait and see and go through the season and see what the production is? Although he's not going to like that, and we don't know what's happening at minicamp as it starts today. If he's going to hold in and not participate, but if he does, it's I would say not a red flag, but getting there, and then you'd have to keep your eye on it pretty closely for that day one at St. Vincent. It'd be one of those positions where. If they don't bring back Highsmith next year, now they could apply the franchise tag next year, but if you don't bring back Highsmith this year, then you're putting yourself in a box where you have to get a pass rusher in free agency or the draft. Because, I mean, Golden is probably going to be a minimal sack guy because he's going to be a minimal snap guy. But if, you know, the players like Kenny Pickett and the young offensive weapons and Joey Porter Jr. all kind of progress, you can kind of afford to 
take an edge rusher high up in the draft. Oh, you can. I'm 100%. just saying. Like, they filled enough roles. You just don't want to Artie Burns yourself or Terrell Edmonds That's yourself. True. And, That's true. But you know. you've filled enough holes where you can explore that option in the first or second round for sure to yeah. find an Alex Highsmith replacement while also having a Marcus Golden type, or maybe it's still Marcus Golden at this time next year as a veteran. Yeah, I just I still can't divorce myself from how much is Alex Highsmith, even though he had a very good season on his own while T.J. Watt was hurt for a while last year. How much is he worth his own money, and how much is he a product of playing across from T.J. Watt and next to Cam Hayward? Well, not only, yeah, not only that, I think you can find maybe not as good as Alex Highsmith, but good enough for a lot cheaper and on that rookie deal again through the draft. So I think that would be the avenue that I would explore. I mean, really, when I look at the team right now, the only thing I look at that's kind of weak is that inside linebacker spot. I mean, that's the only spot that... And I guess that's probably being very optimistic of me to say that's the only spot I think's not weak because some some things Let's could see what fall the secondary out. Look, some looks things like, could fall yeah. out pretty easily for sure. But... I think that, you know, on paper right now, inside backer is the only one that I think other teams are looking at and kind of circling and being like, it's kind of sketchy. You do that with a lot of teams, though, with that position. Inside backer right now? Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to hope that you get to the quarterback in time. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, Again, this is the Bet Rivers podcast, the Mark Madden podcast. Mark will be back next week. Tom and I will be back on Thursday. And I do encourage you to go to WXDX.com and DVE.com and check out all the tributes that we have posted for Stan Savern. Check out the piece that I post in the Trib as well, uh, reflecting on Stan's career and his time here in Pittsburgh. Uh, We will miss him tremendously, and uh, hopefully we're doing a service by um, remembering him in the way we seem fit to do here at iHeart and have tried to do throughout the course of the day here upon learning the news last night. But rest in peace, Stan. We do miss you very much, and uh, we look forward to speaking with all of you again later on in the week. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.